0: Welcome to the Military Transition Tip Podcast, a show about the trials and tribulations of military transition and life on the other side. We counter fear and uncertainty with healthy conversations and information. So, Awesome. Yeah. So you guys can share it with no one <laughs> or share it with everybody. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, military Transition Tip Podcast here again. I'm Johnny Jones, and I'm in the studio with Alex.
1: Hey, I just finished the exam.
0: <laughs> and Cullen.
2: Hey, I just finished watching hockey. Nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, today's, today's podcast is going to be about um, going to school after the military. And both these gentlemen uh, have uh, different experiences in the same subject. So Alex was going to school remote, right? What what school were you going to?
1: I'm currently going to Arizona State on their online program.
0: Ooh. And Cullen, you went to?
2: Radford University for physics, and I graduated in
0: 2019. And uh, Cullen, you were uh, reservist during the time, correct?
2: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, About a month after I got out, it didn't take very long for the prior service recruiter to hit me up and let me know about the um, IMA program that the Marines and the Army offers. Um, Hmm. Individual mobilized augmentee and that allowed me to be part of a reserve unit. Um, but I would knock out my annual training and reserve time over the summer break between semesters. So I just kind of reactivate for three months and summer. And, you know, that would keep positive cash flow and keep me knocking out SAT years for federal service.
0: Mm. Yeah, we're definitely going to be touching on that a little bit later. But the uh, first question I want to ask you guys to start this conversation off is. What's your, what was your experience going to school after, uh, both were Marines So after the Marine Corps?
2: You can take it out, you're a little more current. (laughs) Sure.
1: Yeah. So, um, I got out in, uh, 2016 and I just started immediately working. I didn't start going to school until 2019. Um, so I had a little bit of time to kind of see what the outside world was like. Um, but you know. 2019, I was like, I gotta get back to school, get a degree. Um, you know, the, the job experience wasn't cutting it and I wanted some, uh, yeah, experience in school. Um, and then the pandemic happened, <laughs> I mean, which was good and bad for going to school, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough experience, um, juggling work in school. If, the, if that's something that you decide to do versus going full-time, um, I think you really have to be ready to be on most of the time and, and prioritize, uh, certain tasks and just stick with it because it's a, it's a long ride. You know, the average person going part-time to school finishes in four to six years. And I think some people and especially families, if, if you have a family may not be prepared for that amount of commitment. Um, So yeah, it's, it's definitely something to think about, uh, when you're, when you're just starting.
2: Cool. Yeah. Um, I had kind of the ideal college experience that someone could have. I, I think I just got really fortunate. Um, there was no way I would have been able to go to university straight out of high school. I just, Mm -hmm. Johnny, you knew me at, at 19 up to 22 and 23. Like i I just wasn't there, but when I left at at 23 and, you know, started university in the fall of 2016, um, I was blessed with, uh, you know, good academic advisors, people who really worked hard on getting me all the credits I needed, and I was lucky enough to have a typical college experience going to school full-time and being able to show up and... Just be a student when I wanted to, and also be involved with veterans when I wanted to as well on campus. Hmm.
1: So your school had like particular programs to, like where veterans could meet other veterans, or like how did that worked.
2: Yeah. So just like uh, I believe ASU has the Pat Tillman Center. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a military resource center on campus that was you know considerably smaller, um, hmm. but know yeah, that was a good place for people to hang out. We had study areas um, and we had a at the time very active um, student Veterans of America chapter that I got heavily involved in. Um, so yeah I think, I think finding a school that has a good veterans climate, if that's important to you, you should mm-hmm. consider that when you apply if you plan to go full time.
0: Mm-hmm. How, how did yeah, that um, how did being in the reserves play into that?
2: I didn't have to do anything in, until the summers, you know, um, from from August up until, you know, uh, August up until May, I was a full-time student. And then May through August, I would, you know, reactivate and go back to the Intel schoolhouse um, and be a platoon sergeant, fulfill, you know, regular military roles, and I had a great time doing it. I couldn't have got more fortunate with it.
0: So, uh, what are both of you guys' experience like GI Bill related stuff, right? Because that's the number one thing everybody always wants to think about, like GI Bill. I know, I know you had some stuff you wanted to talk about, uh, uh, Cullen, but I'm gonna let Alex go first. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I think uh, as it, it really depends on the school that you go to, as far as uh, GI Bill stuff. Um, you know, as we mentioned earlier, like the like ASU has Pat Tillman's uh, Veterans center and they were really good about making sure that I was set up and, um, you know, had applied, uh, and you, and for the GI bill, you have to apply for your aid, um, each semester. Right. So you're saying like, this is, these are the classes I'm taking. Um, and ASU had a really great system of just like, okay, here's your form to submit. You know, they basically take care of everything else. Um, yeah, I haven't had any issues so far. Um, I think the one thing people have to think about with the GI Bill um, that, that I didn't recognize at first was the the way that the GI Bill works is like it's broken down by months, right? They tell you, oh, you got this big bulk of time that you are you allowed to use, but it's like months of, of time that you have. and you can take one class in that month or you can take three classes in that semester or whatever. Um, it doesn't matter. They're going to pay for that time. So if you stretch it out and you're taking one class, like a semester, you're going to waste all your time, your GI bill money, like going super slow and you might run out and have to apply for an extension. Um, so, so yeah, that was something I didn't recognize at the very beginning. You know, I thought like, Oh, it's, just, it's just per semester you know they're going to pay until i'm done with my degree but no you have to really think about that
2: yeah oh man for the giago where to start um <laughs> <laughs> um so the standard giago is, is chapter 33 and you get 36 months of benefits um it's a oh. typical I'm going to speak to the typical, at least for now, the typical, um, you know, full-time student on campus. Uh, an academic year is seven months. So if you take the 36 month of benefits and you divide it by the seven months in your typical academic year, you get five years of education, um, which is great. And then there's a remainder of 0.14 where, you know, if the officials at your school know what they're doing, they can probably get you another semester out of that as long as you have one day left on the GI Bill. You're good to get some time. But really, five years of of full-time education is great. And if you're taking that 12-credit minimum to be able to receive, you know, your full BAH for that area, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, you can can live and you can survive. I think it's important that people submit their military transcripts before showing up um, because all your free electives should already be knocked out. Like, if you've gone through boot camp, if you've gone through, you know, I don't know, probably a half dozen different schools in that four years that people are in the military, you shouldn't have to take free electives like English Comp 101 and stuff like that. Yeah. And there's a bunch of stuff that you can clap out of. You know, you take a test to say, okay, I understand biology or whatever. Um, but the GI Bill can be used for much more than just you know going to four years and graduating. Like, mm-hmm. you can make it work. There's there's ways to get your bachelor's in three years if you're going full time and and you really want to hustle. Like, mm-hmm. um, it can be done in three years and then have some left over um it's just the earlier you get started with getting those transcripts assessed properly and getting those credits included so that your academic advisor can properly schedule your classes for you know okay this class is only offered every spring every other year you know some people run into that that whole issue where like this class is only in the spring on odd number years and then you have to stay an extra year and a half at school just to be able to hit yeah. them. Like, yeah. That can be frustrating and that can be a big obstacle for a lot of people. So the more legwork that you do kneecap to kneecap with your advisor, uh, the less painful it's going to be in the end for everyone involved.
0: Can, can I yeah. pause you there real quick? Sure. Uh, I- I'll let you go first, Alex. I was just going to second gonna say- that I was just going
1: to second it. Um, and saying that like your advisor is a big, um, portion of, of your experience, not only as like a veteran going to college, but just as a college student in general, um, you know, they can really, they, they have knowledge of the semesters and the classes and and what the roster looks like. And I mean, it can get confusing trying to plan your schedule out by yourself and using some, some universities will have like an automated um, kind of scheduling or, or course log that kind of takes you through what your major needs. But, you know, sometimes it's hard, like figuring out, okay, this is an elective, but it's also part of my major, like, you know, where does that fit in terms of my credit hours? And yeah. So, so having an advisor, particularly one that's more well-versed with, with veterans, uh, affairs and, um, yeah, if, if the, the resource center or, or office, has particular advisors that they recommend. Like, I would try them, and and always remember you can change your advisor if you don't like who you have. It doesn't. You're not set on this person forever.
0: So, so uh, Chavis, you had said something that I really want to uh, get both of you guys' opinion on. Uh, since you all different you know, types of uh, education uh, with mm-hmm. remote and, and brick and mortar, um, BAH. You mentioned get that BAH for your area. I know that the GI Bill Chapter 33 has uh, different rules for remote and uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know brick and mortar school. I would like you guys, if you can both touch on that real quick, uh, the difference between the two, at least your experience with it.
1: Yeah, um, so ASU for their online program has um, an A and B semester per full traditional semester. So like say you're in the spring semester, you have an A spring A and a spring B, um, and if you're taking, uh, you know, two classes in the spring and two classes in the in spring A and two classes in spring B, that's considered full time, right? That's 12 credits for um, online. But even if you're full time going online, you're not going to get the full amount that you would doing brick and mortar. You're going to get the, I believe, and anybody can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I believe e five rate uh, at the national average, and I believe my payment going full time comes out to about eight hundred to nine hundred. I know it's changed recently, so yeah, it's it's lower if you're going online. Um, I don't know what the brick and mortar rates are.
2: Yeah, the brick and mortar rate is is the same as it would be for wherever the zip code that the university is in um and you know most people are typically going to live pretty close to the school they're going to um and some people don't the thing is you only need to attend uh one class per week in person to be able to qualify for that full-time BAH um I don't new? um to my knowledge as long as I've been involved with it, that's how it's been. Um, okay. As long as you show up once, you're you're good. So some people, you know, could live three or four hours away, and then they just show up. They just show up, you know, to that one in person class each week, um, or they, you know, they show up to one, and then they work out an agreement with a professor. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, you know. Uh, I, it's not the easiest way but if, if that's what someone choo- chooses to do and that's what they decide mm-hmm. works best for them go for it man like this is this is kind of the one time in a lot of people not the one time the first time in a lot of people's you know adult lives where they get real flexibility to make decisions about how their day to day life goes and bro yeah. if, if one of those Day to days involves you driving four hours to go to <laughs> freaking paleontology class and study about dinosaurs and go for it.
1: They're just paying for your gas at that
2: point. Yeah, age. right at that point, right.
1: <laughs> what um, what made you choose to go uh, on campus, brick and mortar versus online? Like, what was that decision like for you?
2: Oh man, I'm I'm a terrible student. <laughs> I'm a terrible <laughs> student, um, and I, I I just knew that I'd be able to engage with the material and uh, be able to learn directly from the professors a little bit better. Um, they can you know help out with with visualizing things. They can draw you a picture. Um, there's been a complete revolution in in online schooling, you know, in the mm-hmm. last two years. I graduated before COVID popped off, so, right. you know, maybe things will be different in the future, but, uh, at the time it was, it was best for me to be able to be in a real class now that I had, you know, worked that discipline muscle a little bit and to where I can sit still and pay attention, mm. and, you know, talk just in that regular college experience of being able to go and, you know, walk around campus and meet people that was important to me. Yeah.
0: So you you uh, both had mentioned about your your advisors, right? Like have, the importance of having a good advisor. What are some warning signs that you have a, a shit advisor?
1: Um. Well, I, I went. I wouldn't say I went through, but but I had a few advisors in my um, at ASU um, just because of my situation. So I went into ASU. Doing general IT, and then I had to apply for the software engineering program. Um, so, in that, you know, I had a couple, but I wouldn't say that anybody in particular was bad, but I've heard stories from other students um, just saying, like, the communication is really key. Um, and, and you can tell if somebody's really involved uh, or if you're just like another. You know, student to them, right? Like, not not to say that anybody should get preferential treatment. You know, but but veterans have maybe a few other particularities surrounding just the complexity of you know the financial aid and and you know, as Colonel was saying, like bringing in your your um, you know experience from from the military as credits to be applied to your mm-hmm. um, courses. So like you know, just, just having somebody maybe be like, oh, you know, just take these classes. You're fine. And then kind of, you know, giving you five minutes out of their day and then moving on, you know, is, is problem, right? You want somebody that's like, okay, let's plan this out And, and kind of mirroring what you want. Right. If you want somebody hands off and you tell them like, Hey, I don't need too much. Great. And they listen to you. But if you want somebody to really be involved, be like, okay, I need you to plan out the next five or six semesters. Cause I want to be done with this degree. Um, then, then if they sit down and do it for you, like amazing. And if, if they, if they don't know an answer, they'll, you know, do a refer they'll refer you to somebody else. Like, those are all great things that I've experienced. Um, anything outside of that, maybe you want to think about, you know, another, another, uh, advisor. Yeah,
2: um alluding to what you said about someone having too much on their plate and not making time um, I, I want to say you are there to get an education and and you know the university needs you to be there the university needs students mm-hmm. you're, you're the most important part of that school and if you don't feel I don't want to sound entitled but if you don't feel like you're being treated you know and, and given the time of day you know, look, look for someone else who who will be at that time of day. Um, some people, I, I think a highlight for a, a bad advisor would be one that's inconsistent. I've seen, I've seen some uh, schools where an advisor changes every semester, and the mm. students will have to work with a completely new advisor. You know, every fall and every spring that they go to register for classes. So, you know. Not only do yeah. not, not only do they not know you, they don't know you know you have to you have to tell the same story every single time um, and they might not necessarily even know what classes you're gonna need to take two or three years down the line. They're only seeing you know what mm-hmm. it is that they can slot you in for. Today in this five-minute meeting and get your ass out the door.
1: Yeah, that's that's huge. That having somebody that sticks with you through your the majority of your degree program, at least. Like some people might have a particular freshman advisor, and then you're transferred to like your major advisor for the rest of your time. But yeah, having somebody that that really knows you and and has followed you throughout your career is really important. Because at some point, I've told my advisor. Um, you know, like this, you know, she knows that I work full time and all this other stuff and like, you know, told her like, these classes are too much for me or like, I can't do these two or three classes at the same time. She's like, okay, you know, and she'll work and like figure out an, a different schedule. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, having to explain your story like to three different people, yeah, it, it would be very frustrating.
2: Yeah. and. So you mentioned institutions that do have specific freshman advisors and specific mm-hmm. major advisors. That's another reason why it's so important to to get those transcripts assessed properly mm-hmm. when you're first starting off. Mm-hmm. Because you might be able to dive straight into some of your majors classes and be able to avoid some of those one hundred level yeah. things that are, you know, not a waste of your time but <laughs> that aren't the wisest the most wise use of your time
1: you know yeah yeah especially with with the GI bill like you just don't want to be dropping money on <laughs> especially yeah. if like you if you're a tech or or you know science or stem major whatever and you're mm-hmm. like oh I got to take um yeah english uh, I got to take uh yeah some some random class, uh, culture class, but not to say that those are important. But but yeah, I mean, if you're there for your major, like, you you know, you took corpus course, OK, great, great. You don't have to do any writing.
2: Yeah.
0: So I, I was going to ask a different question. But right now, now you got me uh, wanting to know uh, really specifically from, from Cullen, uh, what was the college experience like going through as a vet? Right, if if you have, uh, I'm just gonna leave it like that. I'm gonna leave it open and
2: leave it like that. <laughs> Initially, it was overwhelming. Um, mm. I I got everything I wanted to and more out of that first semester. Um, I again, not the greatest student. I landed myself on academic probation after my first <laughs> semester. <laughs> you know. Um, because you know, young guy, twenty three years, you're, you're surrounded by right. a bunch of college kids, and you know, there's a considerable amount of distractions. Mm. Um, you know, every yeah, every freedom, yeah, distractions and freedom, and you know, mm. you, you would think, uh, like, yeah, I was like, okay, I'm disciplined enough to be able to go to a class, and like sit in class and you know, take notes but this one to to not continue living my life as I did on Friday and Saturday nights when I was, you know, in in the military. Uh, that was, you know, because the thing they don't tell you is that uh, college kids will go out just about every night of the week except for yeah. Monday. Um, so getting over that first semester though getting over that first semester um you know having a couple of of professionals a couple of faculty members sit me down and and say hey man like we see you doing these good things um why don't you focus a little bit more on on the things you know being involved with veterans like you want to do being involved with with clubs Mm -hmm. and special projects with your major why don't you focus on those a little more and not so much the, uh, non-productive extracurriculars.
1: Um, that's a
0: nice way of putting it. Yeah, that's (laughs) a good
1: way. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I
0: stop getting drunk every night. (laughs) I
1: I definitely, I definitely feel you on that first semester, right? So, uh, for me, I had actually gone to a traditional state school before I went into the military and, you know, kind of the same, same feeling that you had, right? Like I wasn't ready for college, you know, you say like at nineteen or whatever. I didn't have that recognition at the time. I went in and I kinda had that same first semester as you where I got to school and I was like, Man, there's so much to do. I joined a fraternity, you know, like all this stuff. And then and then at the end of the semester it's like, well, you kinda didn't go to a lot of classes and uh <laughs> that's what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and yeah. And, and, you know, had to reassess. And, And I think it brings up a really important point, um, of like that, that first semester and that first year really. And they say this for a lot of traditional students as well, like traditional, just coming from high school, um, is it's really like, the transition and wake up call for, for being on your own and having that freedom. And like people right. think, you know, well, you're in the military, you're by yourself kind of, like your parents aren't with you. But there is structure there. You know, you're supposed to be this place in this place. And again, college, as we know, doesn't restrict you to anything. They're like classes at eight thirty in the morning or whatever. And it's like in your freshman classes, you're packed with people, you know, you might have a chemistry class and there's like 300 people, especially if you're in a state school and nobody's going to know if you're there or not. So, um, you know, the temptation to, and yeah, again, like you said, um, people are doing everything almost every night, you know, and if you are in a social group or you have a few friends, there will always be somebody doing something. Um, so yeah, I, I think for veterans it's is there something you have to be mindful of? Not to say that you can't make a mistake because I mean, Colin's a good, you know, version of like you, he made it, he made a few uh, mistakes in his first semester. And then he turned it around. Um, but just like, be aware, like that is, that is a thing. And you, if you think you won't be tempted to reconsider because it it is very tempting oh, yeah, to, to do whatever else, but school.
0: How do you uh, how do you expect someone to uh, to avoid that temptation, right? Because you know you you had a staff staff and CEO or officer always you know watching yeah. you, right? You, you always had you always had consequences looming over your head and you know, your life, you know, your life or your your career leaning over your head. So how do you, how do you expect someone to deal with that, right? Like, what do you have some advice on how someone should yeah, right.
2: avoid I'll, that? I kind of take the the point on this one. Um, And it goes back to what we talked about before we started recording about how, you know, I changed my major right before I started classes. I I changed from computer science over to physics Mm. um, because I think it's important that you do something that makes you happy. You study something that you care about um, and that you want to be studying. Um, But the other side of that whole do what makes you happy coin is do something that's meaningful you know do something mm-hmm. that, that brings you genuine fulfillment uh you don't have to go out four nights a week to be able to have a social life you know people will probably people will probably be more excited to see if you only go out like once or twice a week than if you're just always there um, yeah but yeah in addition to doing the things that make you happy find the things that are meaningful for you and and then keep yourself in line with doing those. Make sure that your actions are aligned with your values and and what you seek, what you're seeking to get out of your experience at university. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, just kind of going off of that, like, yeah, there's in school, there's always going to be, and I'm speaking more to the brick and mortar again, but there's always going to be like the few people like, so for example, uh, there was this guy that was a graduate student, uh, in my fraternity and he, he was going out like every other night and he was like 29 and still at school and just kind of like partying with all the younger people. But he was always trying to get people to go and, you know, people, but there's always gonna be like one or two or three or four people that, you know, they're just like always out. Right. Their priority is not school. They just don't care. They, they're just like there for the experience, so to speak. Um, but the great thing about school, especially being on campus, um, is the diversity of people. And you will find people that are enthusiastic about the things that you like and are enthusiastic about learning things. And I think my greatest experiences have come from not necessarily going and partying, but like meeting people that had really interesting takes and ideas and had really passionate about certain things and just having like good times learning with them and talking with them. Like that is the best experience. And I'm not saying that my online experience is devoid of that either. Um, you know, there's a lot of group projects that I do. Um, you know, in my current class, I'm in a software enterprise class and I have a group project with five other people, um, one of them is a software engineer, like I am professionally. And, you know, just being able to share that experience with those people that are serious about their education, um, is really important. And, you know, like your parents said, kind of like the friends that you keep influence you in a specific way and get you to do things or don't do things. I mean, that shit's true. (laughs) I mean, you know, like you hang around the people that are in the clubs and are really involved in school. And it's cool. Like you, you find that it's cool to do those things too, and you won't be as tempted um, and feel as tempted to like go out because they'll be like, "Hey, well, we're gonna study, but then like tomorrow we're gonna do something because we've made the time. You know, we planned it out. Like that balance is the best part.
0: I I feel it can be risky too. Like what you just said. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not, not what you said is risky, but like um, partying and 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 wilding out while you're in school. Uh, especially if you come from like if you join the military to pay for college, and like say like many other people, uh, their family may not have the, the money to pay for college, and you mm-hmm. don't want to get a, uh, a loan, right? You're you're essentially wasting money if you waste a year, a semester, however long, you know, wasting money that you may not be able to get back. And uh, I think I think um, maybe being older will help with that, but it may not necessarily. You said some twenty nine year old was still <laughs> yeah. cool, so. Uh, now that that may not hold true all the time. That's but, maturity.
2: Uh, that's maturity. You know, that guy, that yeah. guy might have spent, you know, the time from when he left high school up until being in grad school, all, you know, and he's never known any, maybe never knew anything other than being in school, mm-hmm. you know, mm. if you've been in school your whole life and you're almost 30, you know, that's, that's all, you know, know.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the afraid to leave the box. And I for think that, like, isn't like that national land. Yeah, land. yeah exactly. there it is.
0: Dan hey. And like,
1: I think the same thing happens for when you're in the military too, right? There's a structure there and you feel like I could keep doing this. And like this, yeah. the safety of like, you know, you grew up with it, you know, you're going to get a paycheck. You have people that, you know, It's a, I mean, if you're in a branch, like it's very small, you'll run into the same people eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the transition is always the hardest part.
0: Oh, man, yeah. People don't um, give the stock to the decision to leave that they do. They assume just like, oh, my decision to leave the military is so easy, right? But it's not an easy choice, especially mm-hmm. when you go into the unknown and you know, known to school and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think you're right there.
2: Something I do want to add that I didn't think of initially when this question came up, what I am now is the thing that kept me accountable um, was actually got like a little job on campus hmm. um, for people who are using GI Bill benefits uh, you can participate in something called a work-study program um, and a work-study program is um, you know if, if there's a VA related role at the university or like a nearby VA facility that you could work at um, you can join that work study program, you get mm-hmm. paid, you know, minimum wage 725, but it's not taxed, you know, it, nice. it pays, it pays kind of just like the GI Bill over, um, you know, it's, it's flat and it can't be touched by taxes, but when I started that work study program and I began working at the military resource center on campus, you know, I kind of had somewhere to be, I had people that counted on me, I had a shift to show up to, mm-hmm. um, and, and that really kind of brought me into the fold of like the veterans community on campus and and being more involved.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a good point. Yeah. I mean, having setting like small segments of structure into your day or into your routine really do help. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's kind of, for my online program that I take now, the structure is the stuff that's surrounding it. Like I work, You know, full-time. And, um, I just know that the time at night is the time that I'm going to school and doing projects and stuff, but, but yeah, being on, but, and then also, like you said, like, you know, being accountable to other people, but also like getting to meet other people that may be in a similar situation, getting to work, you know, with other veterans, um, could definitely help some people for sure.
0: How do you both of y'all balance work, work in school?
1: (laughs) Um, I, my wife is very generous. (laughs) She, she helps with a lot of the stuff. And and I, what I alluded to earlier in the program was like school. and, And this again, only applies if you have a family direct family like you're married you have kids whatever which a lot of people do coming out of the military um school is not only a time sink and investment for you it's a sacrifice and a time sink an investment for the people that are around you especially if you're going online and and doing uh or you're doing school and work you know my work days look like 15 16 hours right because i'm school or work all day and then school so you really got to have that conversation with your partner and determine ahead of time like is this is this can we do this because you can't just start school and then after a year be like "Ah," you know and then like two years later be like i want to do it again and then you have to have the conversation again you know where are (laughs) we in life can we do this um you really have to be like look this is going to be a chunk of our life where we're doing this and like we got to be ready for it you know and, and especially if you want to succeed um yeah you i've heard of people that have like three kids they're married they got a full-time job and they're getting through part-time yeah. school but they're not doing great they're just like blowing through the classes because they're like i'm just trying to get this done and get a degree yeah. um but there's people you know that have more intense majors and and really want to learn. And for me, I want to learn the things that I'm going through, right? That I'm studying. Um, so yeah, it requires a lot of planning up front and, and a lot of communication if you have a partner. If you're single still, I mean, you have to set expectations with your friends and other people uh, that you're close with. So yeah, that's for me.
2: Yeah, so I'll say continuously reevaluating uh, that mm-hmm. balance and, and how it's working out for you. Um, and in addition to that, being selfish because um, at the end of the day, it's your life and you should not do something that you wake up every day and dread. You shouldn't do something that you put off until the end of each day because you just hate doing it so much. Um, so if you if you're continuously reevaluating, I think you know at midterms and, and definitely at the end of each semester you know looking back on on your performance and how you felt and then looking forward to see what things you can improve upon and uh, man or maybe you think you're doing fine and you're like all right let's just you know let's keep the mass heading in this direction um, yeah. I I, I don't know how to make it sound not selfish, but at the end of the day, (laughs) this is a big decision that you've, you've, you know, decided to undertake, and Mm -hmm. you don't don't let anybody get in the way of that, um, if you're you're single, uh, you know, if you got a family, you have to make a family, of course, you have to make sacrifices, Mm -hmm. um, but... You know the decision that you make the the program of study you go through is is going to have a big impact on your career trajectory especially if you're if you're working full-time if you're working full-time you could go you could go to school you go get your masters or something for something for a completely different industry and then once you finish up that degree you know you walk into the office and say hey guys i'm about to make a big pivot into a completely new industry and uh you know it, it's been great being here but i'm gonna go i'm gonna go chase my trains mm-hmm.
0: yeah i yeah. think that's a good way to push through the hard times is remembering and reminding yourself of your goal right your goal is to you know is to whatever you define it to be you know get the degrees so you can get a job or get a promotion or Pivot into a new field. I think uh, sometimes the, the pain in the acid school can be can get in the way of uh, can kind of blind you a little bit to your your final goal, especially when you're thinking in the moment. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think it it, it can get kind of hard, especially if you're in the middle of your program. Like say a couple of years have passed. I think you know there's very few undertakings that we like set aside. Like we're gonna be like, oh, I'm not gonna see the fruit of this labor for like four years. Like you, you don't want to think about the whole progression and like time it's going to take. Um, but yeah, that's why it's important. Like Coloma was saying, like how it has to be your thing and you really have to like want to do it (laughs) and like, be like, this is, this is not for anybody else. Like this is my education, my growth as, as a person or a professional or whatever. And, uh, you know, I'm not doing it for X, Y, Z thing. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it's a hard to recognize. I think it takes a long time to develop that mindset. Right.
2: Yeah, and I think we've we've kind of, for the most part, been talking about people going to a typical like four year institution or uh, attaining mm-hmm. some sort of like a bachelor's degree and master's, but man to the guys who are listening to this if you're like if you're just getting out of your first four or your first eight like the gi bill is accepted in a multitude of places that that you might not have heard of like while going through your transition program like i, I i've got a couple things listed off like culinary school um you can get i don't know certificates and and like outdoor recreation schools, where you teach, where you eventually teach people survival skills, or you know, mm-hmm. become a master scuba diver, or learn how to run mm-hmm. a fishing charter, you know, you don't license. want Yeah, like a mm-hmm. pilot's license. Um, man, there's uh, one school in particular, uh, Rocky Mountain College in Montana. Um, you know, they're a Part 141 flight school, but what makes them unique is that um, they cover. All of the all of your hours, um, as far as I know, so you don't have to pay additional costs and fees associated with like getting seat time in the plane. Like because the university already owns the plane and it's not like contracted mm-hmm. through a local flight school. Uh, because the planes are owned by the university, the flight hours are covered by the GI bill, which is a huge nice. huge expense that you don't have to worry yeah. about. Mm-hmm. And you know for the people who don't want to go to school for something like i don't know i don't know chemistry or or database engineering or something like that or you know consider something that you could maybe start a business with afterwards you know consider you know learning about marksmanship and firearms something like that to where you know you could go on and start a business and create something that that you genuinely care about that you're not going to find in that typical four-year institution. Um, there's a ton of possibilities out there. You just got to look. Yeah,
0: there, there's, I'm going to have a podcast about this one specifically, but like the SkillBridge program as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, listeners may know that I went through the Microsoft SkillBridge, and that, that at the time was covered by the job, but now it's uh, covered by Microsoft. But like, there, there's a lot of things like that, too, that if you don't want to go through a traditional school, that yeah. there's a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. like that as well.
1: Yeah, before before going, deciding on my degree, I looked at different programs, and there was, you know, like boot camps and stuff that you could apply your GI Bill to for for coding or programming. If you didn't want to do, yeah, such a long, intense thing, you could do, uh, like a eight week or thirteen week program or twenty week program or whatever, and it would cover that.
0: Hmm. Speaking of choosing your program, how did both of you guys choose it, right? I know we we talked a little bit about it before we started recording, but I think that's another one that some folks Mm. may have an issue with uh, coming out of the military, maybe not being exposed too much.
1: I'll call and take this one first.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm I'm Um, interested to hear.
0: You should cover choosing the school as well in that. Yeah. I think it's a good addition. I'll
2: start with with choosing the school. And I started choosing schools based on where I wanted to be geographically, Um, because we're fortunate enough to have this this GI Bill that is it's like a it's accepted worldwide. You know, you could use a GI Bill in most countries, uh, and and all over America. I I started thinking about where I wanted to be, and I, I knew I wanted to be in the mountains, somewhere kind of peaceful, and so. Uh, eventually I I landed on a a mid sized university about I think 10,000 students total not not crazy big Um, and then I and then from there I started looking at ones that had you know degree programs that I was interested in Um, yeah think about where you want to be and uh, and not just what you want to study because there's a good strong chance that um, that you're going to be able to find a, a very similar or exact same program somewhere that you really desire to be um, because you're only at school for like six hours a day and then you have a whole you know a whole other 18 hours in the day plus your weekends. Um, be somewhere you want to be and that's that's going to help you grow somewhere that you can grow into and then from there narrowing it down to programs of study again something that you you got to have some passion for it at least in my opinion i i can't advise someone to go out there and get a degree purely based on money you can be successful and you can you can earn a lot doing that you know but yeah, I don't know, if, if your dream is to be a film director or to learn how to paint or, or you want to cook, you better find a good film school or a good culinary school <laughs> and go for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cho- choose something that you could see yourself doing for the rest of your life because uh, there's a good chance you might end up doing that.
1: Is that, that play into your decision for your program? you personally
2: yes yeah i i could definitely have seen myself continuing to study you know physics and astronomy for the rest of my life and and i absolutely hope to continue you know working in the field of physics um it's it's awesome
1: uh, i guess the question I, is like how did you how do you become passionate about like what attracted to to you in the first place
2: I had always held a genuine interest in, in the physical sciences, not much like uh, yeah, and, and physics in particular. Not like, not to make it about me, but like specific but like, I'd, you know, go to bookstores and libraries and look up cross sections of, of planes and stuff like that and, and you know, get books on astronomy and read, you know, the the titans of of physics, literature, uh, for fun—I <laughs> I don't know—and so I, again, I, I hate making it about me. I, I want other people to like know what they can <laughs> get out of this. But um, right. yeah, if there's something—if there's something that you liked or enjoyed when you were, you know, an adolescent or a young adult, don't be scared to go back and chase that. Like, you know, there's a there's a there's a good chance that, man i is going to sound ugly. There's a good chance that whatever you were passionate about before you joined the military was incredibly <laughs> repressed, incredibly repressed when you went through that 13-week reprogramming course down at Parris Island. You know what I'm saying? It's a good chance that that, that kind of got overwritten. Um, uh-huh. So, you know, to those guys who, who are wanting to get out. Maybe use those last few months, that last year, to, to get out and, and explore and, and try to reconnect with with the world and, and where mm-hmm. you see yourself in it.
1: Yeah. The reprogramming is real. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. For, for me, as far as choosing a school and a major, um, a bit of disclaimer. So, you know, I mentioned earlier that had some problems going to school initially, um, when I got out of high school. So whether you know or not, um, whether you like it or not, I should say your academic history follows you. So my performance, uh, for my original school was one of the only things that future schools when I was making my decision in 2019 considered. So even though I had been in the industry for, uh, three or four years at that point and had a lot of experience in the Marine Corps doing it and other stuff. Um, they didn't really care about that stuff. They wanted to see what my GPA was. So mm. that bad GPA kind of was a consideration. Um, and I didn't have a lot of options. Um, but I applied a lot of places. I was looking at a lot of online programs that were friendly for working professionals. And, um, ASU had a, had a great, um, you know, veterans presence, but it also had a very strong online presence even before COVID. Um, and, and so, you know, they were willing to work with me, um, and were willing to consider, um, my accolades that were not attributed to my academic performance, even though I did have to submit my, my, uh, uh classes and all that stuff. Um, but, but still they were like, okay, you can only apply for specific degree programs because your GPA is not high. Your transfer GPA is not high enough going into, to go directly into software engineering or computer science or whatever. So you're going to have to take a specific set of classes and prove yourself and then apply for the higher level degree programs. Um, and I went down that path in the first place, you know, I wanted to do software engineering, um, because, you know, I'd gone to work for, for a few years and I had, I'd been teaching myself everything. And I had a lot of great mentors in, uh, the, you know, in, in my professional career so far. Um, I learned a lot, but I was hitting like a wall. I got hired as a DevOps engineer. Um, but I knew I needed that extra push. And I wanted to understand programming instead of trying to run the race myself and like figure it out as I'm going. Um, so that drove me to really push myself to get into software engineering program, um, in in, India. So then for the next year and some change, I had to take all these classes that were just it classes and other things math a couple like a calc class and stuff like that to show that i could do it and you know it goes back to our point of like this has to be for you because you can't manufacture that motivation otherwise like you can't especially if you're going to work and stuff like you can put it on for a little bit but if you don't really want it at some point you're going to be like why why am i trying to prove to myself or anybody else like this that i need to do this thing um but I wanted it. I got accepted into the software engineering program, um, in 2020. And that's what I've been pursuing. That should be done in 2023. But, you know, that's all just to say, um, that, you know, everybody's experience is going to be different as far as what, you know, making that decision to go to school. And, you know, for me, when I got in the military, I felt like I don't need school. You know, I had a job going straight out. I was like, this works. Like, I can just work and get the experience I need professionally. Um, and, you know, for those people that feel like it might be too late or they've worked for five years and whatever, it's not, you know, like you can go back to school at 35, 40, 27, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, I have people in my classes, yeah, that are, that are way older. And, Decided they wanted to do something different in their veterans, and they, you know, they want to do software engineering, and they've been doing something else. They've been driving trucks or whatever. Um, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter, you know, if that's what you want to do. The the GI Bill and the right university will make it happen.
0: Especially now that there's the forever GI Bill and it doesn't expire. Yeah. Compared to yeah before. Hey, so I have one last question for both of you guys before I let y'all go. I know it's late. Uh, did the military at all prepare you for your experience in school?
2: I'll let you take it, Alex. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the military. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in in a way, sure. Um, I think it's hard because a lot of us join the military when we're young. And I think a lot of, there's a a big portion of culture and a lot of personal opinions that conflate growing up with being in the military. And it's sometimes hard to tell what's attributed more to your success or to your growth as a person. I like to think in some ways the military did. I had to a a positive experience in in the Marine Corps. Yeah, there was times, but, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, I felt, um, it forced it forced me. Uh, it, it showed me what structure was like and it kind of made me realize like I can focus on some long-term goals and accomplish them. If I, it just, I think it could just give me the confidence to do that and confidence to feel like I have a directive that I, that I want to do and I want to do it for me and I can do it. I just need enough time and training to do it. Cause anything in the real military, you know, through boot camp and all that stuff, they're always like, they're like, yeah, you're gonna, you know, shoot this target 500 yards away and you've never shot a gun in your life. You're like, I can't do that. And then like two weeks later, you're doing it. Um, yeah, just stuff like that. I think I think that's what helped in the end.
2: Uh, can you repeat the question, Johnny? <laughs>
0: <laughs> did the did the military prepare you for your experience at school?
2: And this is like this is like personal anecdotes.
0: This is you, man. Did it prepare uh, you?
2: Did it prepare me for school? Absolutely not.
0: it's found on that man no
2: No. Um, I'm sure that this is not an isolated thing but like many schools that I went to in the military there was like a lot of hand holding a lot of Mm. crack gap. there was like I don't know you had to try to fail
1: that's true Yeah,
2: you know you had because because everything in the military is you know In the branches, things are geared toward like, you will succeed, success is the only option. And they've been doing it for so long, they found a formula. They found a formula to train people. They found a way to educate people and to get that knowledge that they need into their head. Um, And they're really, really good at doing that efficiently. Um, University is not the same way. Sometimes, sometimes you'll go to a lecture and I don't know, your professor might talk about something for a long time and you're like, man, do I even need to know this? You know, so, <laughs> someone asks a question, someone asks a question, and they'll talk for 15, 20 minutes, you know, about some research <laughs> that they did, you know, an assignment. And while, while, yes, it's great knowledge to have, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be on any kind of exam. Um. But it's, it's great to have, you know, the, the things you learn, the, the lessons you take away from any given situation isn't always necessarily gonna be what someone's teaching, if that makes sense, you know? Um, so to answer the question, no, it didn't prepare me. It did did the other things in the military prepare me for like being, you know, being a young adult being able to being able to get my feet underneath me in the real world much more than I did when I was 19 when I went in, yes. Absolutely, unequivocally so. Um, but, you know, just like I said, in that first semester there was a lot of that I had to learn about being a student that the military didn't really help me out that, you know, no amount of TA that you take, you know, no amount of, you know, one or two classes every semester that you're taking from a distance learning program could really prepare you for that um for that in-person instruction you know, for those people who are going that route um uh, again that is that is one man's experience one uh, i see
0: one man know. with an answer
1: alex i think i still think that's that's such a good point i think it brought up repressed memories of like <laughs> Being in comm school, and like they give you the test, and you you already know what the test is going to be on. Like they've drilled the answers into your head, and like you take the test, and you just like rope memorization, like <laughs> like fill it out. <laughs> like that is, I mean, you bring it up, yeah. Like college is not that in the slightest, you know. Like the whole rambling professor, and like oh yeah, oh my god, all the time. They just you just feel. Like, I think part of the feeling of uncertainty, like going into a test for the first time in like, your academic yeah. career in college <laughs> is like something that you might be unfamiliar with if you're coming from the military. Just like, you know, the professor's like, here's here's a study sheet and here's the concepts. And you look at it, it's like a very basic concept that they covered, but there's like no you know, practice questions or like exam questions, and you take the exam, and it's like just a blank piece of paper, and they're like, "Okay, write out this mm-hmm. uh, proof," and you're like, "What the fuck? What?" <laughs> you know, so yeah, man, yeah, that's that's a good point. I didn't think about that until you said it. <laughs> yeah,
2: and so it's it's different types of learning. You know, I I don't mean to detract. And you know for anyone who doesn't have experience in the military that might be listening to this I don't want to take away from the things that people learn while they're on active duty um, because the way that you learn in the military is very very helpful for operating in a military environment mm-hmm. where you know where oftentimes you need to you need to be able to act you know react and act you know there there isn't enough time for you to be able to to you know go into the command logs or or you know there's not always going to be a ton of time for you to be able to sit down and look at every possible you know outcome for something you you've got to be able to to act and make the best decision that you can with the information that you have at the time um whereas Mm -hmm. you know in that exam environment at a university um You know, if you go with the first right answer that you think of or you allow yourself to go down the first path of thinking that you're able to identify in that situation, it's not always going to be correct. You know, you've got to apply those those critical thinking skills. You've got to use what you've learned. You know, you've got to use everything that's that you've got gained from that class and be able Mm. to apply it, you know, multidimensionally. Um. From time to time, it's not just kind of like a. It's not always going to be a linear path of thinking and and achieving goals as it is in the military. Oftentimes,
0: yeah, and I, I know somebody listening is probably furrowing at the brow, like oh, it's not linear. But you know, <laughs> I feel like the, the one the one thing that is different uh, in my experience is that the military gives you exactly what you need to know and does not. Uh, give you all this extraneous information unlike uh, regular lectures where you have to parse out maybe the important 20 minutes mm-hmm. out of the whole hour and a half three hours depending on what you mm-hmm. what you've elected so there's a significant difference there in the delivery of important information that i think yeah, yeah you're right
2: the, so the last thing i have to add to that um is is this it is more likely the case for you know those junior enlisted folks those people who are who are you know lance corporals privates you know young corporals maybe young sergeants who have not really had to go into those later pme schools or had to do you know that that higher level organizational thinking um for you know for their troops and, and for their units i'm, I'm kind of strictly talking about you know this, those people who are getting out after their first four or five years and, mm-hmm. and wanting to go to school because, you know, you you kinda ask did it prepare us? As a twenty three year old, you know, hot shots aren't or so I thought no. Nah. No. Nah. <laughs> right.
0: All right. Hey well, I appreciate it. who out there drinking right now?
1: Uh, one of y'all is real be.
0: loud. <laughs> 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 no, nah, I appreciate both of you guys uh, showing up. I know it was late, but this is a this is a, a great session. I think uh, there's a lot of good information here uh, for anybody that's thinking about school or even in school right now, you know, knowing that they're not the only one feeling the way that they may feel that uh, all three of us have felt. I know I didn't really talk about my experience in school. But nobody's here to listen to me talk. They hear me talk you every the, episode. You got the
1: most school experience out of all of ah, We
0: don't want to talk about that. <laughs> but yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I appreciate both of you guys showing up. And I, I hope to have you guys on Season 2. This is uh, possibly Thanks. the last episode of Season 1. So, thank y'all. And good night.
2: Good night. Thanks for having me.
0: As always, I'd like to thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow, review, and share the show with anybody who want to hear it. And don't forget to check out our YouTube Military Transition Tips. Until next time, NTT out. Peace.